have a think uh, to, uh, back to some of the names that are given to describe the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, you can think of some of them, can't you? Uh, the Lamb of God, uh, the Way, the Truth and the Life, uh, the Author and Perfector of Faith, uh, the Great High Priest, and uh, so the list goes on. So many names are given to describe the person of Jesus. And yet uh, the most intimate and the most personal of all of the names that are given is uh, given by Jesus himself. He says here, I am the good shepherd. In fact, he says it for us three times. Uh, There were many other shepherds who were around at that time and many false shepherds. Uh, They were like thieves and robbers who only came to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says here, by contrast, I am the good shepherd. I am not like that. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. But if Jesus is the shepherd, uh, well, then the implication for you and I is, uh, is pretty unflattering, isn't it? Uh, you see, sheep are not the most intimidating of creatures. They don't have sharp fangs. They don't have razor-edged claws. Uh, They don't have long horns. By all accounts, they're of limited intelligence. They don't have the the strength and the stamina and the speed of other animals. In fact, somebody once said that uh, sheep are strong evidence against the theory of evolution because if it was all about uh, survival of the fittest, uh, then sheep would not stand a chance. And so that is what the human race is pictured uh, in the Word of God as. Uh, we're, We're weak and defenseless sheep. And yet verse 14 says that we are not alone, but we have a protector against the predators. We have some direction from the shepherd who knows his sheep. Do you see that? I I know my sheep. You know, the role of the shepherd in the first century was a a very intimate and, and personal role. Years upon end, they would be out there in the field among the flock, leading them by still waters into the green pastures. Uh, Shepherds, uh, unlike today, they led from the front and the sheep, without being asked to, would just follow the sound of their shepherds. And though to the untrained eye, all of the sheep just kind of look like the same, uh, the shepherd can tell them apart. He knows them by name. And the picture there is of the relationship that Jesus has towards us as his people this evening. He knows us, all of our defects, all of our sinful tendencies, all of those habits that we can't seem to break. The good, the bad and the ugly, Jesus knows them and he can tell them apart and he loves us still. But it goes even further, do you notice in verse 15, because Jesus doesn't just say it, but he shows his love. He demonstrates his love for his sheep by laying down his life for them. You know that ancient shepherds, they they sometimes risked their lives, but no matter how much they loved their sheep, none of them ever planned to die for them. But here the good shepherd has, has planned it all out, hasn't he? He lays down his life of his own accord. That's uh, quite some job commitment, isn't it? How highly must this shepherd value us as his sheep to give up his life for us? But in saying this, you know, don't you, that Jesus is pointing forwards to his crucifixion. He's pointing to the cross and he's saying that the cross will not 
sneak up on him and catch him off guard. This was not an unplanned event, but it was always there in the eternal plan of God. We call it the covenant of redemption. Before the foundations of the world were laid, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit entered into an agreement that a sheep would be gathered in to the one flock and under the one shepherd. And so we can look back 2,000 years past the event and we can see that Jesus did not come into the world as a victim, but he came as a voluntary sacrifice for lost sheep all over the world, in every corner of the globe. And that is what I want us to consider as we move into verse 16. Having seen something in verses 14 to 15 of the nature of our good shepherds, And now we move down the passage and we go further afield. Take a look at our text. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. The first thing that we need as the church of Christ is a vision beyond our congregation. We need a vision beyond our congregation. I wonder when you think about the gospel, do you have a vision beyond these four walls? I wonder, do you pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would gather in many souls into the kingdom? Do you long for other sheep to be gathered into the flock? Please don't think in saying this, I'm in any way discouraging you from praying for uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church that God has sovereignly placed you. If If you're praying for the body, you're not to feel guilty about that because that's a biblical thing. It's a right thing to do. But I think the the message here, the the thing that Jesus is saying is that if our thoughts and our prayers for our immediate brothers and sisters are to the neglect of those who have not heard the gospel, for for other sheep all over our world, in unreached people groups even, then I think we've missed a vital aspect of of John 10, 16. You know, sad to say that many Uh, Christians today, uh, especially in a well-to-do nation like our own, they're just far too comfortable. They're far too comfortable with who they are and what they're doing and how their ministries are going that they forget that Jesus has said here explicitly, there are others. Christ is pointing here to the worldwide scope of the gospel. And you can just envisage, can't you, the speechless crowd as they hear That whilst they were a nation who had been so historically blessed under the covenant, whilst it had been promised that to them, through their bloodline, a Messiah would one day come, yet there were others. There were Gentiles, there were were non-Jews, there were outsiders like you and like me. The circle of salvation has now extended to include people like us. And so in one sense, you could say, if you're a believer in Christ here this evening, then your name is recorded here in verse 16. You are the other sheep. And yet, while we may marvel at such things, while we might see this as a great positive, while we might sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. To Jesus' original hearers, the crowd at this time, this would have been problematic in their minds. In fact, it was bigger than that. It was cataclysmic. They could not believe what they were hearing because they had forgotten the promise that had been made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 22, verse 18. When God said, in you, all the nations of the earth 
shall be blessed. These people, they had too narrow a view of the sheepfold. They were becoming exclusive. And yet Christ now in verse 16 contradicts that and he opens wide the door of the fold. And yet the hearers needed then what I believe we need here in Clidach this evening. We need a vision beyond our congregation, don't we? We need to expand our horizons and to be made aware of a world that is out there, lost and dying without Jesus Christ. I was preaching in another congregation uh, down in the south of England a couple of uh, months back and I heard that uh, 30 years ago the church conducted uh, their very first evangelistic outreach. For, for many years they'd done nothing within the community but they felt convicted that they needed to and so they purchased uh, 7,000 King James Version Bibles and they began to post them through the letterboxes of everybody who was living in the community. And there was so much effort. They put their blood, sweat and tears into that outreach on the Saturday. But they came into church on the Sunday and there was so little to show. And they began to feel discouraged. But then a a, a father walked into the room who'd been invited, holding hands with his 12-year-old, apparently reluctant son. And that son grew up and that son got converted. And that son now today serves as the pastor of that church, having seen so much fruit through his labours. And he told me how eternally grateful he was of the fact that the church had not been too comfortable, that they had a vision beyond the congregation, that they were persuaded of the fact that Jesus had other sheep. But the second thing we have here uh, in verse 16 is a mission that demands our attention, a mission that demands our attention. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And not only are we to be uh, missionary minded, but we're also to be missionally active. Notice Jesus doesn't say, uh, I might bring them, but I, I must bring them. I've been reading a a bunch of different uh, missionary biographies recently uh, and one of the missionaries who I'm I'm sure nobody here has heard of or maybe you have uh, is a guy called Peter Cameron Scott and uh, as a young man he was sent overseas to Africa on mission but like many in the 1800s he was soon forced to return home because he contracted malaria and he was feeling quite discouraged But he was given another shot and this time he was to to go out again, but this time with his brother by his side. And yet a few months into the journey, he found himself all alone again, having to actually bury his own brother. And he began to question his calling. Was this it? Was this this God's way of telling him that the mission field was was not for him? Should he pack his bags and, and call it a day? Well, he did come home. But not for long, because he went to Westminster Abbey in London and he stood before the, the, graves, uh, the gravestone of uh, a previous missionary pioneer, David Livingstone. And he read the words on the gravestone, which are the words of our text here this evening. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And it was from that moment, from this text, John 10:16, that God began to re-energize and to kickstart this deflated, discouraged missionary back onto the fields. 
And there he spent the rest of his life, devoted to his calling, eventually establishing the work of Africa Inland Mission, which remains to this day. All of this simply because of the promise that is contained in our passage. You know, when I, <clears throat> when I say that I must do something, uh, there's, there's always the likelihood, my wife will tell you, that it won't get done, okay? I get distracted very easily. I go off on a tangent. I, I procrastinate. But uh, listen to what C.H. Spurgeon says. He says, whenever Jesus says must, something comes of it. Who can resist the omnipotent must? If Jesus says must, difficulties vanish, impossibilities are achieved. And so in preaching the gospel, I'm not fishing with a chance and a perhaps that some may come. They shall come. What a conviction. I wonder if that's yours uh, this evening. Or I wonder if uh, you read a verse like this and you just kind of excuse yourself. Because it doesn't say that it's down to the church, does it? It doesn't say that it's down to a select few individuals, but Jesus must gather the other sheep. And so what do we do? Do we just sit on our hands and say, well, let's let go and let God do his work of mission in the world? Is that the implication of our text? Well, not at all. While we believe that God builds his church, while we rest in the fact that God is totally sovereign in salvation, yet he has a means of accomplishing his purposes in the world, and that is through people like you and me, broken vessels, weak servants. You see, when Jesus says here, I must gather them, that doesn't provide us with an excuse for neglecting mission, but actually it provides us with the very fuel upon which mission runs. It is our responsibility to be the means by which the message goes out. And we can be sure, even in discouraging days such as these, that some will hear. I go out onto the streets of Folkestone uh, down in England uh, every Friday with my dad and we preach in the open air. And you get a mixed bag of responses, but uh, the one that you often get is people totally and utterly disinterested. They do not want to hear. But here we find in this verse that some will hear. That's the promise in the middle of verse 16. The good shepherd will speak through his servants and through their proclamation, other sheep will be gathered into the fold. What a great incentive that ought to be for you and for me as we witness in, a wor in the world. We are God's chosen method to bring good news to a world that is dying in sin. And so the question is, are you sharing the news? Are you taking this text as your, your search warrant within your communities here in Clidach? Are you doing for others what other faithful believers have, have done with you? Well then, just briefly in closing, having, uh, having been made aware of a vision that is beyond our congregation and a mission that demands our attention, the, the final thing that we see at the bottom of verse 16 is a union because of our salvation. A union because of our salvation. The other sheep will listen, but something even greater is the future promise that there will be one flock, one 
shepherd. In other words, Christ will accomplish something globally among all people groups. Uh, Heaven will be filled. Uh, A a colourful melting pot of humanity will be there in glory. You read Revelation 5 and 7 and you see every tribe and people and tongue and nation, this, this great multitude standing before the throne and before the Lamb, singing salvation belongs to the Lord. What a, what a glorious thing is in store for you and for me as believers in Christ, that we will be part of that multitude, that, that multicultural crowd. And more than this, if you're discouraged, take heart, because even today, Jesus is seeking and saving the lost. He's gathering in other sheep, even in the darkest and the hardest places in the world. And so God will get his people to heaven. Do you notice it's not a maybe that's given, but notice the guarantee and the certainty in that word will. You know, there's nothing that we will ever do that will abolish the distinctions between nations. There will always be tensions and terrorism and warfare and divided countries. But in spite of all of these things, there is a real and a visible unity for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and their shepherd. And I've seen some of your faces online earlier in the year, but this is the first time that we properly met. And I I don't know your story, I don't know your backgrounds, but I know that we share something in common. We have a unity, though we may be strangers. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's, that's something that is so distinctive. And what a great testimony that is to the world. And so that's the message. But I wonder, are you involved in the mission? Are you a missionary? Have you got a heart for other sheep to be gathered in from all across the globe? Yes, but also from all across Wales and Swansea and uh, right here in Clidach. The truth is this, the the good shepherd has, has laid down his life for the sheep. And the challenge is this, will we not in response, give our lives for the cause of the other sheep? Will you be a missionary in the place that God has placed you and in the places that God has called you? I pray that you will.